Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You want to know what the best email marketing service is for your small business? Well, I've got the team for you. Emailtooltester.com is the place to find reviews and tutorials of newsletter services like ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, GetResponse, and many more. Download their free comparison spreadsheet that will help you find the best email marketing service among many providers. Just Google Email Tool Tester Comparison Template to find it. Again, just Google it. Email Tool Tester Comparison Template to find it. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Smita Wadawan. Smita is the CMO at Simple Practice. Simple Practice provides technology to private practice therapists and other practitioners. They've been around for 10 years, serve over 100,000 practitioners, and 44 million clients. On today's show, we talk about her journey from India to the U.S., her career that spans 
various firms like PayPal, eBay, Intuit, Visa, GoDaddy, where we first met, and also now Simple Practice. We also talk about her view of marketing, from product marketing to go-to-market marketing strategy and planning, and much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Smita Wadawan. Smita, welcome to the show. Thank you. We always kind of like to get a little personal story at the beginning here. And I'd love to start with hearing about what life was like growing up in India. Funny you would ask that. I would I would probably say that I feel incredibly fortunate to spend my early formative years in India. It really helped shape who I am today. The biggest uh, thing that I learned growing up in India was it just cultivated in me a sense of achievement orientation, which is, as we all know, is very important. It also gave me the drive to succeed, even when the odds are stacked against you, and just the tenacity to push through despite setbacks. The other piece that was very interesting, and it's a person who played a big role as my role model, was actually my mother. A lot of my feminist thinking actually comes from her. She really taught me how to stand up for myself and then advocate for what I believe to be right. And I saw her do it multiple times because we grew up in a patriarchal household. She really uh, stood up for us and just kept pursuing opportunities to give us the best education, career growth, and success. And uh, I owe a lot of my success thanks to her. I think having a strong mother influence, I I can vouch for that. (laughs) My mom is probably one of the biggest influences in my life. It can really shape who you are, like you said, and give you those values that you, you hold on to for the rest of your life. I think we met originally when you were at GoDaddy, but we've never really talked about your career journey, like where you got your start and And you're now the CMO at Simple Practice. So give me a little color. Where'd your journey start and what were some stops along the way? I did start my career in India in GE Consumer Finance Division. It was right after business school. And what was really interesting with General Electric was the way they did marketing. It was truly very data driven and it gave me a very good appreciation about the data and the business side of marketing. They had extremely sophisticated database propensity models that shaped how marketing programs were driven. It was fascinating to learn marketing in a very data-driven fashion. And that kind of really helped me build a very strong foundation in marketing as a function. Then we moved to the U.S. and I continued to hone my marketing skills at PayPal, Intuit, and Visa. Within the last four years where I was working at GoDaddy really shaped and prepared me for this current role. I felt at GoDaddy, I probably had some of the best mentors and coaches. They opened various doors for me. And literally, I had the best projects, which helped me ultimately prepare for this position. A very uh, special mentor to me at GoDaddy was uh, the ex-chief operating officer. His name is Andrew Loaki. He was extremely data-driven, but he was one of those people who taught me how to balance the art and the science of marketing and how to think about marketing as intersection between the data and the creative storytelling. As I was thinking about what's next in my career, what was very important for me is, was to find an opportunity which aligned with my passion and my values. And simple practice really stood out from that perspective. The company, as you might know, is in the behavioral health space. It has a very compelling mission, which is around serving the behavioral health professionals who have made it their calling to serve others. 
So while there are parallels with GoDaddy from an SMB perspective and using the marketing playbook that I'm really familiar with, I think uh, what appeals to me about Simple Practice is the relentless customer focus and how great and strong the mission of the organization is. The other piece that attracted me to Simple Practice was the strength of the product. It is so exciting to see our customers love our product, which shows up in a strong retention and referral rates. And it's been five months and I continue to be amazed at the passion and the drive with which our team continues to work in the business. That's awesome. I have a couple of follow-ups. So you start off your career at GE Consumer Finance in India and you make the trek to the U.S. What was the uh, spark, if you will, to bring you to the U.S.? Big change for us in deciding to come to a new country. It essentially happened because my husband got a great opportunity to work and lead the consumer lending business for the company that he was working with in India. So they, that position opened up here and they really wanted him to, to explore. It was a great opportunity and we were young. So we were like, why not? Let, let's give it a try. And we knew the country because we had visited the US as tourists before and really loved the drive, the professionalism, everything that makes this country so successful. And once we moved here, I started working at PayPal. And then my respect and appreciation of that drive, the work ethic increased even more. Incidentally, at PayPal, I started my career in the small business space, these micro businesses who who sell on eBay. And I was extremely impressed by the entrepreneurial spirit, the passion with which they serve the community. And I became a fan of small business forever. And ever since then, I think pretty much every role I've had, there has been some component around small business marketing. And then my husband became an entrepreneur. So of course, now serving the small business community is a very personal story for me. That's so funny. It's come full circle (laughs) in your household, no less. Let's talk a little bit more about simple practice. You talked about a focus on behavioral health and, and, or at least got its start in behavioral health and professionals and serving that kind of SMB community, if you will. But how do you describe what the company does and and for who? Because I think there's you've got both a B2B and a B2C component, if I'm looking at things correctly. So the company did start about 10 years ago to serve professionals in the mental health space. The, the founder was studying to become a therapist himself, and he really saw the pain points around the therapist experience with software and tools and the lack of an all-in-one practice management software that would make their life simple. So he came up with this idea around the company and the product, and it's been 10 years. The company, more than 100,000 practitioners who use the platform, 44 million plus clients have been served using the platform. That's massive impact in the mental health space. But since then, what we are also seeing, because the product is so strong and the referral in the community is so strong, a lot of verticals which are outside of the behavioral health space, like occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, nutritionists, dietitians, they are also organically coming and signing up for our product. And then in the summer, when we launched our consumer side of the business under Monarch, which allows you to book a therapist based on criteria that you specify, really made it therapy seeking very accessible to consumers. 
So I, I think the journey ahead of us is now super exciting, where as a company, we continue to expand uh, what we offer to our core consumers, while at the same time, expand into uh, new areas from an SMB perspective and making therapy easy, accessible to the consumers. Yeah, that's amazing. And what a unique audience to both the on the practitioner side or provider side, very specific needs. But a lot of folks are probably, to your point, independents or in very small practice groups. And that's such a unique challenge, especially with how complicated the healthcare landscape is, especially re regulations and all that good stuff. So having a good technology partner on your side makes a ton of sense. I want to transition a little bit because and get away from business as it relates to what you do day to day and talk about you as a business professional. You're an immigrant. You came to this country we just talked about and, and why you came to the U.S. But what was your first impression of the country when you got here? I was, as I mentioned, I was extremely impressed, right? Like I would say the the things that stood out for me was the work ethic, the determination, the success. And growing up in India, I, it's fascinating. It's very easy for people who have lived here and who were born here to take a lot of things for granted that the country has to offer. But growing up in India, I think we really had a very strong appreciation and respect for uh, what the U.S. had achieved in terms of economic growth. And when I came here, I was like, now I know, right, why the country is so successful. It's because it's really made up of very hardworking professionals and small businesses and everyone around who really have the drive and the, the tenacity to succeed. So that's something that I continue to be very impressed with. And I feel like every single day, the more I work with the small business community, the more I interact with professionals, whether they come from behavioral health or any other vertical, the drive, the passion, the will to serve is, is something that really stands out. I can only imagine because I, I didn't live your experience and I can totally get my, my daughter who's 14 grew up in this country, obviously. She definitely takes for granted many things <laughs> that are available to her here, as I'm sure you can appreciate as a mother of kids as well. But that different experience growing up and being born in a different place and, and looking at the US as this economic growth engine. I now look at India and China as economic growth engines as well <laughs> and wonder what I'm missing out not being in those geographies myself. But as a woman of color and an immigrant to the US, like what does it mean to be successful here? You've obviously prospered having grown up in another place. I would certainly say that the drivers of success are probably different for everyone. For me personally, there were there were two uh, things that were very critical. One, I would say, is it was really embracing and owning my authentic self. And to our discussion earlier, being an immigrant, uh, it, initially, I would say it was hard. But then once I embraced and owned my authentic self, I think I really started to uh, hit my stride. The other piece, uh, I would say, is embracing a growth mindset. As things changed, and change, as we know, is, is the only constant, the, the fact that uh, I was able to adopt a really learn, grow, thrive with change and changing conditions um, by exhibiting a growth mindset really helped me. I recall that in my earlier years, I would just sit in meetings silently, the best ideas bouncing around in my head, but absolutely no courage to speak up. 
And when I did speak up, there was a male voice who would probably say the same thing, but louder and more emphatically and, and get all the credit. So somewhere during that period, I distinctly remember one of my managers at PayPal, when he told me we were in a meeting, we stepped out and he, he looked at me and he said, I would love to see you find your voice. I think that was really the turning point for me. The other one, which is extremely interesting, was because I was trying to uh, succeed in a revenue generating function, that made things especially hard. Uh, And I did have my fair share of naysayers, but I would say that also on the flip side, I probably had the best mentors, coaches, sponsors who have lifted me even when I fell and they have believed in me when I was, I had doubts about my own capability. The thing that I learned from the mentoring and the coaching is also how important it is to lead from an area of strength and amplifying your strength. We all have weaknesses and it's very easy to dwell on those weaknesses. But at the same time, if we can just focus on our strength and learn to amplify those, we all have a lot of things to offer. The other one around growth mindset, which is an interesting story, happened to me at GoDaddy. So when I was at GoDaddy, I was working on the brand side and I absolutely loved doing what I was doing. And Andrew asked me to lead the website business. It was a critical area for the organization. So yes, a huge honor to be asked to lead that. But at the same time, I was like, the website business will entail a lot of performance marketing. And that's something I've never done before. And his answer was, just embrace it and we'll do it together. He was constantly coaching me as I learned and as I grew in performance marketing. I, of course, exhibited a growth mindset and I learned and read everything I could find about performance marketing when I was running the website business. But I would certainly say that exhibiting the growth mindset, having uh, great coaches and running the website business was probably the best decision I took in my career because it not only set me up as a strong leader at Codari, it's coming in really handy now as I'm running um, marketing for Simple Practice. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And, and great advice, great advice for anyone out there trying to make a career, wh- whether they're coming from a background like yours or just gen general. That's really good advice. You got your start in product marketing. As a marketer, Like, how do you think about the job of product marketing and its importance? I am absolutely biased towards product marketing. I have definitely (laughs) uh, learned tons starting in product marketing at PayPal. I firmly believe that product marketing is the foundation for strong marketing. Uh, If you get your product marketing right, means that you target the jobs to be done, the pain points. And that allows you to work very closely with the product team to build what your target market will find attractive uh, and useful. So you get the product built absolutely. And then when it comes to working with the marketing team on a successful go-to-market, you can also, you already know the target, their pain points, and messaging then becomes extremely easy as well. So to me, product marketing is that foundational function that I would think that marketing teams should be thinking more about investing in. And when we skip that uh, that function, we know we all get towards the tail end where we are writing fancy briefs and then saying, okay, we have built something. Who is it for? How how should we market it? What's our, what is our messaging and a marketing strategy? Um, but if we do product marketing, all that automatically falls into place. Yeah. And you get that, all of those insights, you know, target market, the uh, jobs to be done, et cetera, up front before the product is finished is what you're saying. 
That's right. That's right. And one thing that you might have heard from uh, a bunch of other folks too is a lot of companies have been adopting Amazon's PR FAQ process. But essentially, what it does is that it forces marketing and product to write the customer story uh, and customer benefit even before any line of code is written. So we've started using that even at Simple Practice. We use that at GoDaddy too. And I can see how the alignment between product and marketing using such an approach works to our advantage if we are aligned up front before we start the product build process. So you've got, let's say you get the product marketing right. How do you think about then moving into the go-to-market strategy and plan? Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Now, if we get the product marketing right, so we know our target, the jobs to be done, we have a great messaging. Then I think as a marketer, it's our job to, and I, I would say that it's relatively, not to, not to say that it's going to be easy any which way, but it, it's relatively then easier to do the, the creative and the storytelling aspect of marketing. And because during the research process, we've gathered and understood a customer's shopping journey, we can then layer in the media, be it paid media or, or our house channels, to actually intercept set customers during the shopping process, which is, is a more organic way to have those conversations. The other piece, though, in terms of go-to-market, which I firmly believe in, it's not just a marketing exercise, right? A successful go-to-market involves many functions in the organization, whether it's customer success uh, or a CX team uh, that works closely delivering the end-to-end -end customer experience or sales, pretty much a lot of functions in the organization have to align and come together to deliver a successful go-to-market. And then it's an iterative process, right? Once you launch something, if it's a product or a feature, we still have to be listening for feedback, constantly iterating, learning from our launches and iterating our campaigns to continue to optimize. So to me, it's a cycle that starts with great product marketing, understanding the TAM, the target jobs to be done, and then continues to be an iterative cycle even after the launch concludes. And I love how you describe it's not just marketing. Go-to-market is not just marketing. It's all of these other functions. And in many organizations, the CMO or the marketing organization has to play a hub, if you will, of making sure connecting the folks and, and making sure everyone's educated, trained, knows what's coming, et cetera. How does it work at where you are? 
It is a very similar approach. And to your point, the marketing uh, go-to-market leader does sit in, in marketing organization in most of the cases, but their job is extremely cross-functional. So to your point, they're not just thinking about marketing strategy and how they will deliver on marketing goals, but also how they will bring the organization together in service of that higher go-to-market goal that we committed to as an organization. It's probably one of the most interdisciplinary roles in marketing, given how much it collaborates with other functions of the organization. And to your earlier point about growth mindset, it doesn't stop when you're launched either. <laughs> I think you've said to me in the past, it's about the feedback loops as well to make sure we don't you know, mess it up or we improve for the next cycle. That's totally right. It, it feels like the launch is probably the beginning, right? The optimization. You've had a number of different leadership roles in very different organizations. How do you approach leadership? And do you subscribe to a specific style of some type? There's something that has stayed with me, and it's a tidbit from my days when I started my career in the U.S. So we were at the orientation when PayPal was a part of eBay, uh, relatively small, uh, 15 years ago. And the first day, one of the leaders said, each one of you is a leader. You are a leader because we have entrusted you to do your best work in service of our customers and service of your team. That really stayed with me pretty much like it stayed with me forever because I still remember what he said 15 years ago. And the thing that I see a lot of people confuse a little bit about leadership, they think of leadership as a lofty title, right? A certain position in the organization totem pole, so to speak, which is not true. The truth indeed is we all know people who have big lofty titles, but we don't think they are the greatest leaders. And there are people who probably don't have those lofty titles, but are some of the best leaders we've worked with. So to me, leadership is more about the uh, a person's ability to think big picture, step back in service of the greater goal, and bring people and teams together in service of that greater goal. So these are the people who you would say are the ones who are not just thinking about their job, they are thinking over and above their job because they're always thinking about the big picture, the company and the customer first. And I see a lot of such leaders at Simple Practice. So from that perspective, I would say that I'm extremely fortunate to work at an organization where people really believe in that leadership philosophy, even if folks are early on in their careers. In terms of your other questions, do I have a style? I don't think so. I typically do work with my leadership team to set the vision for the marketing team and define our overall priorities. But then I do find myself stepping back as my leaders work with their teams to create the operating plan. I do tend to think in frameworks and I'm a process thinker. So if I do have a framework or a process suggestion, I'll certainly share because my goal would be how can we create a scalable system, right? How can we grow and scale as a team as we think about whether it's operating plans or the way we go to market? Your notion about everyone can be a leader and that story early on at eBay and PayPal, it makes me think I was having a conversation with another person this week and they described... Um, this notion of people, to your point, wanting just the next title, like the next rung on the ladder. And if I can just get to the next rung on the ladder, I'll be a leader or whatever it is. I'll have more control. And he described, he started to talk about the ability to zigzag a bit in your career and broaden your horizons, something else you talked about just now, so that you have a broader perspective. Because I've seen those folks that just rocket ship up through the ranks and they largely become specialists. And, and 
I don't know what to do with them after a while because you can only go so far as a specialist. But your background, I would describe your background as a GM background, revenue generation as a focus area. You got some early exposure to other areas like performance marketing you talked about. Does that resonate with you? Like the the rocket ship versus the zigzag approach? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was definitely, when I was younger, I was definitely one of those people who wanted to um, climb the corporate ladder as fast as I could. But you're absolutely right that in that process, we end up circumventing learning. We end up not enjoying the journey. And we do end up becoming specialists because we are so focused on what is being asked of us versus stepping back and looking at the big picture and thinking about how are we contributing towards the greater good of the company or our customer. Totally agree. This has been fun talking about leadership and business and all kinds of stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about you. I love asking this question of folks that come on the show. Has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? Such a great question, right? Our past does play a very important role in shaping who we are. And I would certainly say that for me, as we touched on, growing up in India was a, was a huge part uh, of that, of what ended up shaping who I am today. India, as you can probably imagine, more so during that time when I was growing up, was a very resource-constrained, very competitive environment. So it was about being creative and at the same time exhibiting a lot of grit to succeed. And those were valuable lessons which came in really handy as I navigated between various roles and jobs, right? We all know resources are always limited. There are always constraints and we have to show the grit and determination. So I think some of those early lessons were really helpful to me. They gave me the right tenacity to continue to pursue various various roles and various challenges at work. The other one is actually pretty interesting, and one would think it's actually the opposite of what most people think drives success. For me, it was actually failing early on. There was a role, which I distinctly remember even now, many years ago, there was a role where literally every day I questioned, what was I, what am I doing in this job? The imposter syndrome I felt, the self-doubt, they were just so high. I just did not feel qualified for the job. What had really happened was because I grew in the data, the digital side of marketing, product marketing, and I jumped into a very advertising, creative, and a storytelling role. I felt like even though I would read up, I would try to learn, it just would not work out for me. And the environment, of course, wasn't that con conducive in terms of the learning and growth while, while trying to do the job. I ended up leaving because I felt when I'm not an A player, do I really want to be here? What I took away from, from that experience, though, was something really powerful, which was how important it is for us to choose the right environment, because success is not just us. Success is also about the environment that makes it conducive for us to win or conducive or exactly the opposite when we end up not doing as well. And as I have grown as a leader, I think that lesson stayed in my head because what I now try and do as a leader is to make sure that I am creating an, an environment where my team can learn, where my team has access to resources, coaching and opportunities so they feel that they have everything that they need to be successful in their jobs. I love that. And choosing your own environment. That's uh, great advice. Is there any other advice you'd give to your younger self if you're starting this journey all over again? It's literally what you said. It's about focusing, not focusing on what's next title, or what's the next goal, not chasing that next title and not trying to always climb the proverbial corporate ladder. So I would certainly say that to my younger self, that as I look back, I think about, I was pretty impatient too, 
always in a hurry, wanting to get to the next stage in my career. And I would probably tell my younger self, enjoy the journey, be curious, learn. The, de- the destination is going to be great, but the journey is equally important and make it fun. And probably I will tell my younger self that everything eventually falls into place. So there isn't, there isn't that anxiety that needs, to be, that needs to be accompanied or that needs to accompany the process. That's a good point. And I, I think I would add on to your point about not chasing those titles is maybe think about chasing impact versus titles, right? To your point, you've made a couple of times, which is like reflecting on your contribution to the organization and how you can connect yourself to that. I think that's more important than titles, especially early in your career. Absolutely agree. But is there a topic you think uh, marketers should be learning more about or you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah, I think one of the things that I think a lot about and I try and do a lot myself too is learning, right? Like just the discipline of learning as a marketer because marketing has changed so much in the past few years that we've all been all seen the digital evolution and the digitization. So I would certainly say that we all know that marketing will not look the same a few years from now. So as marketers, it's the discipline of just learning, be open to learning, be curious. And that's something I personally implement myself too. Every Sunday afternoon, I would probably just sit with a good marketing book or listen to podcast. You know, great way to consume information now, podcast or bite-sized courses. The other piece that I would certainly, I certainly see a lot of marketers still struggle with is just data, right? A data mindset, analytics. We still rely a lot on gut and we still rely a lot on our data and analytics team to not just do the analysis, but tell us the insight and the so what. That to me seems like it really hampers uh, the decision making. It slows things down and it creates a discipline where uh, we are relying on other teams to be telling us what to do. So I would definitely encourage us as marketers to be more data oriented, investing the time to learn data and embrace the data first mindset. And then going hand in hand with data is an experimentation approach. I would certainly say that all credit to GoDaddy, where I truly learned the impact that could be made by cultivating an experimentation mindset. And that is one of the first things that I implemented when I joined Simple Practice was to work with the team and create an experimentation roadmap so we could learn and grow in a very scientific way as marketers. I'm curious if there's like brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of. I'm certainly biased, but I would say that one brand I would love for people to take notice of is our brand, Simple Practice. As we touched on, we've been in the mental health space for about 10 years now and positively impacted about 100,000 practitioners who are using our our product to serve 44 million plus clients. So that's a massive impact in terms of influencing positively the end customer through our to our practitioners. The mission of the organization is very strong, which is reflected in how other verticals in the small business space kind of gravitate towards our product. So as we shift the marketing towards more B2C and towards more SMB marketing, I would definitely love for people to think of our brand. But other than, of course, my personal bias towards simple practice, two other brands that I'm extremely impressed and I look up to substantially when I think of marketing are Airbnb and Patagonia. 
And to me, these two brands, they come from a place of very strong mission and a very strong purpose. And that gets reflected not just in their marketing, but everything that they do, whether it's their product philosophy or the experiences that they design or how they treat their employees, the communications or how they jump in when something happens from a macroeconomic perspective. To me, that entire approach towards towards being a very mission-oriented brand and a very purpose-driven company is very impressive. So those two brands definitely stand out to me from that perspective. I would agree with those two. And from a asset base, your brand equity space, like they stand out from their competitive sets. They um, stand on their mission and their values, if you will, to do that. And it comes through in pretty much everything, like you said, everything that they do. Pretty interesting to watch both of them. And I will need to pay more attention to simple practice. I will be watching how the, how things unfold for you. Last question for you is, what do you feel is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I feel that we touched on a little bit as you and I were talking about the revenue generating um, part of marketing and how the marketing discipline has evolved over the years. One thing I have noticed is how interdisciplinary marketing function has become. A lot of CMOs, we talked about me owning a revenue number, and I see a lot of CMOs do, they, do that now besides owning brand and comms. There are other CMOs who I also see owning customer experience, customer success, and a lot of um, technology teams because MarTech is a huge part of the organization now. So definitely the role of CMO has evolved into either chief revenue officer or something more complex. The other piece which I find fascinating from a marketing perspective is how it was centered more around creative and storytelling. And now it's, it continues to become more and more data-driven. A lot of um, marketers now have engineering and data background, which is extremely fascinating. The, and, and the interesting bit there is even though our function continues to need specialists, we still require and expect people to step back and think about big picture and end-to-end customer experiences. That is an interesting evolution. To me, it feels like an opportunity because it allows us as marketers to think about the overall business, drive the business, and have a seat at the table. The threat to me would be if we flip the coin the other side and we are unable to then keep up with the changing role of the function. I think in that perspective, it becomes a threat. But to me, it feels definitely an opportunity uh, from us as a marketing community to be excited about. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now.